Welcome to Pastors Confidential. We're Michelle and Eric Waters. Two pastors. One podcast. Here's what we're talking about today. Amen, amen. Okay, we just prayed. We are online now. We are on the way. So, good morning. Good morning. Yeah. Okay, well, we have to go back because after, right after the last one, Mm -hmm. that's when we had a visit from West Point. Oh, that's right. Remember, it was a Monday. So, we we podcasted, and then um, the West Point football coach came out. Yep. Talked to us at, in our home. It was very nice. Matthew sat in on the whole thing yeah, and asked questions. <laughs> and it was very cute. He was very excited about yeah. it. Uh, anyways, so that was fun. And then from that came an offer uh, to Army. Yeah, yeah, an offer to Army. And so Sam and I will be flying out there this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, leaving Thursday evening, coming back Sunday evening. No, so. no. You're coming back Saturday. Am I? Yeah. I thought it was coming back Sunday. Well, we'll come back at some point. No, you're literally coming back Saturday. Okay, well, he told me Thursday to Sunday. So. Oh, he did? I yeah. think he told me Thursday to Saturday. Well, I don't know when you're coming back. Well, yes. I right. honestly think it's Saturday, but we'll talk later. Uh, we, <laughs> this is the way our week is already oh, going. Oh, my goodness. But, but so that's, yeah, that. so he's going to see that. He just got back from Howard, and we got to hear all about that mm-hmm. last night. He was there over the weekend in D.C., yeah, he, and he had so, a great time. Yeah. He had a great time. He had a great visit. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think he really enjoys the whole recruiting experience. Uh, he told us all about a 22-ounce steak that he ate oh, all by himself. Nice. So he was very proud of that. Wow. Mm-hmm. Good for him. Yep. Okay. All the things that are important to him, <laughs> I guess. Very good. Yeah, he's got one at UIW this week, right? Yeah, he's, yeah, he's been there many yep. times, but he's going to go to an official, I guess. Um, so anyways, by next week, we actually might know where he's going to college. We might, which would be nice. Yeah, because which he's be definitely nice. wrapping it up by February 1st. But I think he's just wrapping it up after this, these last visits. So I'm hoping that we get on next week and we know where our son will go to college. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. Yeah, that'd be yeah, nice. I guess we'd have to know because next week's going to be January 30th. So yeah, right. we, we got yeah. Yeah, no, right. right. Um, and then, and then, yeah, and then we from there I can move on to focusing on the graduations, which are oh his and Sophia's. So we got yeah. lots, lots going on. Um, and do you have any kind of retreats coming up? Yes, this weekend? yes, I have a big retreat mm-hmm. on Saturday, which I'm really excited about. Everybody's all ready for what everybody has to do, and I'm all ready with my talks. Well, I will be by Saturday. I'm not going to say I'm ready right now, but I will be. Good. And um, yeah, we're studying Acts on Wednesday morning, so just lots and lots and lots going on. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. Yeah. Yep. So um, with that, oh, and then, well, we have to talk about David, because we never talk about That's David. That's right. Yes. Yeah. So David, you probably don't see him much on my Facebook, all the things. He doesn't really like to have pictures taken. That was an understatement. Um, yeah, he also doesn't like, to, he doesn't like to be, yeah. well, he's gotten better, but he doesn't like to be on social media, although mm-hmm. this is kind of changing this year. Uh, he has now an Instagram, and he actually posted something on it last night wow. at, or yesterday, and that's because on Saturday night, he and his uh, girlfriend were selected as the sophomore winter formal king and queen yeah yeah so that was pretty amazing. it was a very big deal for him very very, very awesome yeah, yeah it was a big deal for uh for him and for us and well was, yeah i was yeah. really excited because he is that. our least um i guess least social i don't know if you'd call it that he just likes to do his own probably thing. the least outgoing outgoing he's yes probably the yep. good way of putting yeah, it yeah at least the, outgoing. the rest of our kids are very he's, much very social, you know yeah. out and about and he's more um, more kind of keeps to himself yeah so. mm-hmm. exactly so yeah. it was kind of fun to see that happen that it was, was fun. great it was great to see that happen yeah it was great to see it happen yeah um, um, yeah, so, anyways, and finally, in our church business, we had our council uh, retreat this last weekend. 
new council is up and running and a very good council indeed. So I'm, I'm really pleased with that. Uh, the chapel project uh, is moving right along. We had to, uh, uh, we, the, we, we found out a couple weeks ago that the chapel stained glass windows need to be renovated. Mm. Uh, and so that, that was unexpected, but um, we can make it happen. Good. So does not look like we'll have the chapel back uh, in use by Lent, which is what I had been hoping. Mm, yeah, because um, we use it for Lent, don't we? Well, the well, Lenten services. To use it for oh, okay. Lent. Or we have in the past. Uh, but yeah. that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. However, you know, certainly by uh, late summer or fall, it'll be back in use, and so Good. I'm really looking forward to that. It'll yeah. be great. I've been in there already. You know, new new walls, new counters, new cabinets. Oh, really? It looks incredible. Oh, yeah. wow! I bet so, it's going to be amazing. It's a beautiful be chapel. Um, speaking of Lent, yes, Lent is just exactly a month away. I think. Right about yeah, February twenty-two yeah, yeah. is Ash Wednesday, so you have a month to decide what you're going to do for Lent. Yeah, so finish up all that Christmas candy now. That's right. <laughs> is that what you do? Yeah. Well, in our house, there's literally no Christmas candy <laughs> left. There's no yesterdays. Yesterday, I brought. I always bring home food. People give us food if we have meetings at church and we get sandwiches or whatever, and they always send it home with us. And <clears throat> literally, it's always gone oh, totally instantaneously. Gone. Yeah. Yes. It's one of the great perks about uh, being a pastor, and you know, mm. great perk of living in Texas. Uh, one of our neighbors stopped by. I think you know, it was yesterday, Saturday. He's like, uh, "Hey, you know, we uh, we got some extra deer meat for you." And he, he gave us like you know, twenty pounds of frozen venison. Yes, it's like you just Which you gotta love good. Texas. Gotta That's love awesome. it. Well, you used to get that when you you actually hunted when you weren't in Texas. You don't hunt here. Yeah, yeah, uh, we're trying to. But yeah, it's it's a little harder. It's kind of hard to hunt in Texas when you don't have land. Yeah, so, and time wise, at least legally. Time wise, yes. So. Yes, there are plenty of deer right in our backyard to shoot. I've been thinking about that, mm-hmm. but okay. Anyways, let's move along. Yeah. Okay, so we are continuing to follow Crossways, as mm-hmm. you know. We are on the thirteenth installment of this uh, podcast for Crossways, right? And we are talking about it's Unit sixteen for those of you who have the book Unit sixteen, and it's about King Solomon. Yes. So if you remember last week, we spoke about the covenant that God made with David, mm-hmm. uh, that David finally ascended to the throne, consolidated uh, uh, power to himself, united the, all 12 tribes into one kingdom. Mm-hmm. Life was going great. God made a covenant with David that uh, his house would, um, would uh, that the, one of his sons would inherit a kingdom that would last forever, mm-hmm. and that one of his sons would sit on the throne forever that the house of David would be established as the kingdom of God's people. Right. And of course, immediately David threw it into jeopardy with uh, Bathsheba. Mm-hmm. And we saw the terrible, terrible consequences that though God forgave his sin, uh, yet uh, con- sin does have consequences. And mm-hmm. that's, a good, that's a good lesson for us. Yes. You know, God does forgive, but sin does have its own consequences that uh, God's forgiveness does not necessarily take away. Right. And... I was thinking about that. You mentioned, you know, so he says the consequences basically that the sword shall not depart from mm-hmm. your, what is it, from your line, from your, house, from your family, yeah. from your house. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually always interpreted that as like they would be in power always. Oh, so I didn't wow. understand until you explained that because, you know, they t- in the New Testament, it talks about the government being like a sword, sword right? right? As, you know, a good thing, like they're keeping law, mm-hmm. establishing order. And so when I read that, I always thought it meant that they would just be in power with the sword. You know, they'd yeah. be the powerful ones. Right. But I guess that's not what it means. Well, you know, that's, uh, it, wow, I never thought about that before. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's one interpretation. It could be, but it, it's, it's fascinating, no? But I think but well, you, what you explained it as. Right, that the sword comes in. It takes its vengeance. Yes, you know? because the four there are four sons that die. Right. We talked about three in class, but then the one that's the result yeah, of Bathsheba. So, so you got the, yes. the, the child who dies. Mm-hmm. But there's a beautiful justice too. And so, you know, the, uh, David loses four of his sons. 
Uh, the first is the son that he and Bathsheba conceived together. So that's the only innocent party in the whole thing, is mm-hmm. that, that son that they right. conceived together. And then, of course, he loses Amnon mm-hmm. and Absalom and Adonijah. Yep. But the son who finally inherits the throne is Solomon, Solomon. who is the son of Bathsheba and David. Right. So there's kind of a nice little uh, yeah. bookend, a nice little justice right. to that. Mm-hmm. So Solomon inherits the throne of David. Uh, and I want to talk about Solomon's reign with a couple movements. Okay. Uh, wisdom and buildings, women and fall. It's wisdom kind of... and buildings, women and mm-hmm. fall. Well, you didn't do it that way in class. I like that. Yeah, I wish I had done it that way in class. But, you know, often you have to kind of teach something before you realize what it is you wanted to teach. Yeah, right. So... But, oh well. Well, wisdom, of course, we'll start with that and you're getting your verse. But mm-hmm. obviously, most people, if you know anything about Solomon, the first thing you're going to say is that he was wise. The right. Bible actually says that he was the wisest of all men, I believe, in yes. the first kings. And so Solomon uh, inherits the throne. He, uh, he ascends to the throne of his father, David. The Lord appears to him in a, a dream and says, uh, well, ask for whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And this is chapter 3, beginning with verse uh, 7. And Solomon asks for wisdom. He says, And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant, that is me, king in place of David my father, although I am but a little child, and I don't know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people, whom you have chosen, a a great people, too many to be counted. So therefore give your servant an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to govern this your great people? And it pleased the Lord that Solomon had said this. And so God said to him, Because you have asked this, and not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for understanding to discern what is right, behold, I will now do according to your word. I will give you a wise and discerning mind, so that none like you has been before, and none like you shall arise after. Hmm. So the wisdom of Solomon. The God wisdom of Solomon. promises to give Solomon great wisdom. Uh, the wisest man who ever lived. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to Solomon are ascribed several books of the Bible. Mm-hmm. So, of course, the Song of Solomon, or the uh, Song of Songs is the other word for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Book of Ecclesiastes, uh, much of the Proverbs, many of the Proverbs, right. uh, a number of the Psalms. And then there's a couple books that are in our, our Catholic brothers and sisters' Bibles. Uh, mm-hmm. The Wisdom of Solomon is one, and Ecclesiasticus is another. Uh, we don't have those in our Protestant no. Bibles, but those are also ascribed to Solomon as well. So he was a, is, a great wise man. Is the wisdom of Solomon, I actually never read that in, in the Catholic Bible, is that um, like sayings, like Proverbs, or is that like an actual prose book? Uh, you know, it, I think it's more like Isaiah. So I, it, it does appear oh. in my daily devotionals um, every so often. In your Lutheran one? Yeah, my Lutheran one, because they, they, they intentionally pull from the Apocrypha. They do? Mm-hmm. Just to kind of keep it before us so that we don't forget about it. Oh, didn't uh, know that. Is that for all the saints? Yeah, it's for okay. all the saints. Okay, okay. Uh, and, and so in reading it, it, it feels kind of like um, like Isaiah, you know, where there's there's kind of oracles or poetic okay. passages that talk about, you know, uh, God creating the heavens and the earth. Okay. And it kind of feels like Isaiah. So less like Proverbs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Proverbs is kind of couplets. Yeah. You know, a wise man does this, but right. a foolish man mm-hmm. does that. Yeah. Okay. Got Anyways, it. Anyways, uh, so uh, wisdom. So Sol- to Solomon is ascribed a great, great wisdom. Uh, and the Lord says, not only will I give you wisdom, but I will give you all these other things you didn't ask for mm, as well. Pretty awesome. Wealth. And so mm-hmm. with his wisdom and with his wealth... Solomon goes on a building spree. So that's the second point, from wisdom to building. Okay, before you get to the building, Mm -hmm. if you haven't, you know, the one quintessential wisdom story that everybody points to Mm -hmm. in Solomon is the one about the two women, you know, come to him with a dispute about a child. If you haven't read that, it's a great story. It's Um, a great story. He obviously is very wise the way he deals with that. So that's in what they should Uh, go read it. 1 Kings chapter 3. 1 Kings chapter 3, how Solomon deals with a 
custody battle. Yeah, yeah, and he gets uh, he gets to the heart of it by yep. discerning which one actually loves the child enough to to give it up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's beautiful. Yeah, it's okay, beautiful go ahead. So that's wisdom, and mm-hmm. then the building. So Solomon goes on a building spree. Uh, the most important thing Solomon builds is the temple. Up until this point, um, God's people had worshipped in the tabernacle, which was a movable tent. Mm-hmm. It appears first in Moses when they come out of the, uh, on Sinai, Sinai when they come up out of Egypt. Obviously, it had been rebuilt over the centuries, you know, uh, but it was still a movable tabernacle that mm-hmm. housed the Ark of the Covenant. And now um, uh, Solomon builds a house. And this was, in part, this is what David wanted to do. He wanted to build a house for the Lord. But God said, no, you will not build me a yep. house. I will build you a house, but your son shall build a house mm-hmm. for my name. And so that's what Solomon does. He builds a house for God's name. It's a beautiful temple covered with gold inside and out. And there's this little bit of an important thing. That it's, there's this little important point that will become very important later on. So Solomon builds this beautiful temple. Um, and we're talking about the year around when the temple is, is it's around. 960 Yeah, it's in BC, nine, 900s BC. Mm-hmm. Um, so about 960 BC. So Solomon builds the temple and it's called the house of the Lord. But that kind of introduces some tension because as Solomon himself says, and this is chapter 8, verse 27, but will God indeed dwell upon the earth? Mm-hmm. Behold, the heaven, even the highest heavens, cannot possibly contain you. So how much less this house that I have built? Uh, and so, and yet you have regard for this place and your eyes may be open day and night toward this house, this place of which you have said, my name shall be there. So you will listen to the prayer that your servant offers toward this place. So then the temple becomes, it's the, it's the locus or the location where God meets man on earth. Mm-hmm. And they call it the house of the Lord, but it's not like where God lives. Right. It's just where God's attention is. He's and not so, contained in there. Precisely, right. So his, his eyes are there, his ears are open mm-hmm. to it, his name dwells there, but he himself is not contained by it or limited to it, uh, which is important. Because later on, you know, when God's people really fall deep into idolatry, God will withdraw his, his uh, name from the temple. The temple will be destroyed, yeah. and that creates a crisis. Well, does this mean that God has forsaken us? Does right. this mean God is mm-hmm. not powerful? And of course, the answer will be no, he is, but, you know, you, you've turned away from him. Right. And often in the Old Testament, you know, we have like a physical representation, and in the New Testament, we have a spiritual one. Mm-hmm. So the temple becomes our bodies, right? We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and so our our individual bodies are the dwelling place of God's Mm -hmm. Spirit. Um, And then the church collective as a body, you know, the the body of the Church of Christ uh, is the place where God dwells. Yeah. And that's an important lesson for us too, because, you know, the the church on earth is uh, a human creation too. Mm -hmm. It falls away, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that God is forsaken. Right. So Solomon builds a temple. It's a beautiful, beautiful temple. Uh, in Jerusalem, and it's covered with gold inside and out. And then after that, Solomon builds two palaces, one for himself and one for his first wife, first of many. <laughs> his first of his just a few wives. First of wives. <laughs> so he builds two palaces there. Uh, and then he builds fortress cities along the, the land, around the, the trade routes uh, to secure the, the, the land trade between um, the continents of Europe, Asia, and Africa. If you can picture where the Holy Land is, it's right at the, the junction of those three continents. And so mm-hmm. by securing the trade routes, he becomes the toll keeper, becomes the toll master. Anyone who wants to bring trade from one part of the ancient world to another has to pass through there. Okay. And he, you know, he gets his little cream off the crop there. Uh, this, by the way, is also kind of the origin behind the Queen of Sheba. You know, the, the famous mm. passage of the Queen of Sheba. Yeah. She brings her caravan up from what is probably modern day Yemen. 
uh, and comes and visits with spices and all these kind of things. Uh, and then Solomon does something that no Jewish king had done before and very few will do afterwards, and that is build a fleet. Um, you know, the Jewish people are not known for their seafaring skills. They're more of a land people. Uh, but Solomon built a fleet, and he built a, a one fleet uh, that was housed in, um, that had a port on Tyre, which is the Mediterranean coast. Mm-hmm. Another fleet that had a port way down in Ezion <coughs> Geber, which is uh, on the Red Sea. And so essentially Solomon did, you know, 950 years before Christ, Solomon did what the British will do, mm. you know, uh, what, 27 centuries later, mm-hmm. when they dig the Suez Canal, is that he joins the, the Med to the Red, the Mediterranean Sea to the oh, Red yeah. Sea. Uh, and again, then he becomes fabulously wealthy. Because if he can trade with people as far away as <clears throat> Spain on the one hand, and India on the other, and then all flows through his ships, you know, he becomes extremely wealthy. Wow. <clears throat> and so with that wealth, uh, and in Solomon's time, there's, uh, there's peace. Solomon mm-hmm. actually expands David's kingdom. Um, a little bit. And so there's there's peace, there's prosperity because of the, the trade routes by land and sea. There's this massive building project in Jerusalem. Jerusalem goes from this little uh, fortress town to Jerusalem, Holy Zion. Uh, and Solomon's is the golden age. Uh, this is the golden age of Israel. As it says in chapter 4, verse 20. Let me see if I can find that. There, chapter 4, verse 20. So Judah and Israel were as many as the sand by the sea. They ate, they drank, and they were happy. Isn't that what was prophesied about them? That they exactly. would be as numerous as the sand of the yeah. sea? And then, uh, and then every man sat under his own uh, vine and his own fig tree all the days of Solomon. That's verse 20. Okay, I heard you say that in the class. Mm-hmm. And that's a famous song from... Uh, Hamilton, I know you're not a huge oh, Hamilton that. person, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I guess I think it's a, um, I think it's direct quote from Washington's farewell address, mm-hmm. and he says it might just be Lin Manuel, or he might be the author writing it, but I think it's direct quote from Washington, and it says, "I want to sit under my own vine and fig tree." Yeah, that's a very biblical mm-hmm. biblical example. And when so, he wants to leave, yeah, and it's a picture of peace and prosperity. Yes, you exactly. Know, in, in our modern American parlance, we talk about you know a, a house with a white picket fence out front. Mm, okay, same know, thing. That, that kind of thing. It's just a, a picture of this is this is the good life. That mm, you're okay. in peace. You're at home. You're living well. And that's what the nation enjoyed. You know, they had peace, they had prosperity, they had fabulous wealth. Everybody had what they wanted. They were, uh, they were as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Sounds which is like the, a recipe for falling down. Exactly. <laughs> and that's the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham, right? Yeah. So they're finally in the promised mm-hmm. land and well established. But yeah, you know the way mm-hmm. you know, sin works. Just mm-hmm. when we're set up, that's when we fall. Right. So there's wisdom building, but now we get to women and the fall. But Solomon had one really big weakness, uh, an Achilles heel, so to speak. And it was... Let me think. Wine? That wine No, I know. Well, it might have been wine, but we know it was women. It was women, right. And so chapter 11, verse 1. Now, King Solomon loved many foreign women. And that's the thing, right? It's not... Uh, if you remember, God told his people that yeah. they are to marry with each other. Right. Um, within the, w- w- within, within the, the community. Uh, within the 12 tribes. Yes. Right? Uh, King Solomon loved many foreign women, along with the daughter of Pharaoh, the first one for whom he built the palace. Mm-hmm. Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, Hittite women from the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the people, you shall not enter into marriage with them, neither shall they with you, for surely they will turn your heart after their gods. 
But Solomon clung to these in love. He had 700 wives, good night, mm-hmm. who were princesses. Sounds awesome, it, right? Oh, my gosh. So, you know, <laughs> Doesn't most, sound good. <laughs> no. And much of you that can't was, even keep a hold oh my of gosh, one. Can you imagine? <laughs> well, anyways, but, you know, the thing is, is and I think you brought this mm-hmm. up, and I'll let you go on after this, but... You know, a lot of it, it might not have been so much that it was women. I mean, this is too many women to really love, right? Mm -hmm. But that it was like a foreign power play, right? I mean, he wanted the land that went along with these women. Exactly, and that's it. So he had 700 wives who were princesses, is the note. Uh, And again, remember, Solomon kind of sits at the center of these trade routes. Uh, And in those days, and indeed, Mm -hmm. you know, up through really the dawn of the 20th century, one way that you sealed treaties was, was by marriage. Sure. Uh, and so Solomon had all of these treaties with nations round about him and all of these marriages with him mm-hmm. to seal those those treaties and those compacts. Right. So a lot of it was politics. But still, 700. Right. Good night. And then 300 concubines. Oh, yeah. Just in case. Yeah, just in case. Because, you know, mm-hmm. the 700 are enough, right? Mm-hmm. Just in case. And his wives turned away his heart. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods. Mm. And his heart was not truly, was not wholly true to the Lord his God. For Solomon went after... These other gods, mm-hmm. Ashtoreth, Milcom, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So the women turned his heart away from the worship of the Lord to their gods. Right. And bit by bit, year by year, he turned away from God to welcoming and perhaps even worshiping these foreign gods. Mm-hmm. And of course, God will not let his glory, God will not give his glory to another. Mm-mm. The first commandment is you shall have no other gods before mm-hmm. me. You shall not bow down to other gods and worship them. Which is what Solomon did. So even for all of his great wisdom, you know, he still fell. Well, that's a that's the good that's the takeaway, I think, because we can be very wise and we can still do very wrong things. Mm-hmm. You know, just because you know doesn't mm-hmm. mean you will that's do right. the right thing. And one of your favorite proverbs, you always used to quote it to our kids. Oh, I think I'm using it this weekend. What is it? Don't be wise in your own uh-huh. eyes. Yep. Do not be wise in your own, own eyes. eyes. Yes. Yeah, and that's what happened to Solomon. So the women turned his heart away. And again, it's not that the women were bad, right? They're right. not the source of evil, but it's that they, they yep. turned him to these false gods. And as a result, God will take the kingdom away from Solomon. So he says in chapter 11, verse 12, uh, chapter 11, verse 11, since this has been your practice and you've not kept my covenants and statutes, I will surely tear the kingdom away for you. I will give it to your servant. And yet for the sake of David, your father, I will not do it in your days, but I will tear it out of the hand of your son. However... I will not tear away all the kingdom, but I will give one tribe to your son for the sake of David, my servant, and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. Mm. And so God says to Solomon, you know, you fell away from me, and so I'm going to take the kingdom away from you. Yeah. And as we'll see next week, that's exactly what happens, is that the united kingdom divides into mm-hmm. two, a northern half and a southern half, mm-hmm. never to be reunited again. Uh, and the golden age quickly falls apart right so okay so i don't think you assigned any reading because it was so much or something but you just said to look at the book yeah so if you have your book it's chapter 17 and it's a long reading i want to say there's 15 pages in the chapter or something uh so it's a long reading simply because it covers so much history um and it's there's so many chapters it covers and Mm -hmm. uh and it really just makes more sense to look at the book and the book kind of outlines it and gives you like you know some graphics and stuff so it's just easier to do it that way right but that's what we'll look at. And so, okay. you know, Solomon is on the one hand, he's the golden age, as mm-hmm. good as it ever got. Mm-hmm. But then he's also the source for the eventual decline and fall of the kingdom of Israel. Right. All right. Well, we'll take that up next week. That's right. We'll talk to you then.